The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Live from MMA Fighting Studios, this is Between the Links. And now, your host, Mike Heck. The iconic voice of Esther Lynn welcomes you to a brand new edition of Between the Links here on MMA Fighting. As you can see, we are broadcasting live here from inside the TD Garden from, I don't know, a few years ago. Oh, now we're at Fenway Park. Oh my gosh. This is unbelievable. Uh, We're trying out some new things and this is what's happening. Now we're going to be bouncing around all of the rolling hills and sprawling landscapes of New England, apparently, and maybe other parts of the world as well. But... Bear with us as we try this new production. I am in the new Studio 4.0 right now, and it is about a million degrees in here. So if I sweat a little bit, just bear with it. Just live with it. We all sweat, so that's it. But I hope you're all having a wonderful week. We are on the eve of the eve of UFC 275, which goes down Saturday night in Singapore. A lot of storylines on the main card. We'll spend a majority of our time talking about that event but this will be more of a roundtable discussion we're gonna let our hair down a little bit the other two guys that is those days are way far behind me i've accepted that but enough about my follicle challenges let's talk about fist fighting let's talk about title fights let's talk about rematches and more let us welcome in the esteemed panel first our old friend i got to return the favor and join his no bets bard show earlier this week and I probably need to do that 45 more times to actually return the favor. The man with the fiery takes, Mr. Doe Gray area himself, Jed Bishu. Hello, Jed. What an incredible intro, Mike. You covered so many bases. Don't worry about sweating. You're going to other spots in New England. What a just well done. Yes, there is a stops from you, sir. Clap, clap. Well, glad to have you here. And joining us for the first time on the panel, I'm excited about this. One of the nicest people I've had the pleasure of speaking with in this sport. He's coming off of a hard-fought victory over Alex De Silva at UFC Vegas 56 this past Saturday. Let us welcome UFC lightweight contender, Mr. Joe Selecki. Joe, welcome to the show, my man. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm watching the count in the corner of people tuning in. I'm like, things I don't do get this many views except fighting, so... Uh, I'm excited to go. This is going to be fun. Well, yes, let's get into this thing. I do want to start with this past Saturday, and I want to hit on a couple of topics, a couple of 
the big storylines that came out of UFC Vegas 56. Yes, it was a great win for Alexander Volkov against Jarzinho Rosenstrike in the main event. The ending of that fight will kind of tie into the second storyline that sticks around in my Boston-born brain, but I want to begin with the co-main event and Mavzar Ivloyev because we knew this guy could be a problem at 145 pounds, and officially he is a problem at 145 pounds. Dominates Danny Gay. First round was competitive for a couple of minutes, but then Evloyev just lands this beautifully timed flying knee. Ige ate it like an absolute champion. But from that point on, the entire momentum of the fight changed from there. So, Jed, let's begin with you. How big of a problem is this guy? And how do we book him for this next one as I'm back in the garden here? Dude, he's a huge problem. I've been telling y'all. Y'all just haven't been listening to me. Again, once again, I am correct. I am proven to be the genius of MMAfighting.com because I had Mozart Evloev in, in my top, I think top 10, maybe just outside. Everybody else is waiting. You guys are all wait and see. You want to see what happens. Let him get the marquee win. No, I'm going behind talent and ability. And Mavsar is... This dude is going to be around for a decade plus. He is going to challenge for a title. I don't know if he's going to win it because featherweight is obviously one of the best divisions in the sport, but he is, I would be very surprised if when it's all said and done, he does not at least compete for one title. And as far as what you're doing with him next, I don't know, man. Like it's, I, I don't like any of the, the, didn't Ilya Tapuria call him out? I feel like that's a thing that happened afterwards, but I wasn't paying too much attention but I don't I don't want to do it because I want I want Mavsar to go to the moon right now. I want him up 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 and away, baby. So I don't know. Somebody where does the UFC have him ranked now? Pull it up. He just cracked the top ten. Uh I wouldn't mind a Bryce Mitchell fight, honestly. I don't know. Is Bryce booked against somebody? Because if not, no, Bryce. That seems- what what about what about the Arnold Allen call? Did you like that or too soon for that? Well, I just don't – Arnold Allen needs to not fight him. Arnold Allen is in the same boat. They both need to be moving forward. Neither of them needs to move backwards. And so, like I said, I have Arnold Allen as, I think, my number four featherweight. Like, I want to see Arnold Allen get a title eliminator bout. And as much as – as high as I am on Mobstar, that that's not a title eliminator bout for him. So, Arnold Allen needs to fight, you know, the winner of Calvin Cater – aka Calvin Cater next week or whatever like that's that's where Ronald Allen needs to be going so I think Mavsar you know it's a process you got to climb so give him Kikichikadze give him Bryce Mitchell uh I don't know if Korean Zombie's ever gonna fight again and I hate booking Korean Zombie because it just sort of feels like you're making you're you're intentionally using the veteran as a launching pad but do something like that it should be the next step for Mavsar as we're back uh, inside the 406 Club at Fenway Park or whatever it's called now. There's apparently snow in June, so that's cool. And welcome uh, UFC. Yes, and uh, welcome. <laughs> that's right. Yes, this is from the media day, UFC 220. Uh, Joe, your thoughts. You you shared the event with with Mr. Avloyev. Do you feel that this guy is the real deal? Is this the, is this the guy that somebody, you know, someone in the next 18 months, two years, we're talking about challenging for the featherweight title? Yeah, you know, I went in completely ignorant to him as a as a threat like that. Uh, just from, I guess he flew under the radar. You know, I, I watched most of the cards. I don't know how I was unaware of that. And then with you know looking at the card, I just kind of looked for a couple names, you know, that I really really recognized right off the bat. Because I was focused on my own thing and uh, tuned in mostly because Ige was on there. And I mean, I was shocked. I, I he was so well rounded, uh, completely dominant, and it quickly became the fight of like, oh, if Ige just makes it to the 
to the scorecards, it'll be like a moral victory, you know? Um, from what I saw on Saturday, yeah, he belongs in the upper half of that top 10. Um, I guess the tough part is where do you match him? And, you know, a Calvin Cater. I like the Chikadze matchup a lot. I think that could be a really fun one because I think he'll just need one more high-profile win before you start talking about either title eliminator or title shot, you know? But skill set for skill set, uh, I think he could contend for the title, you know, next. But I think he does need those signature wins just for – People who aren't analyzing the sport every day like you guys, uh, you know, I follow a lot and was still a little ignorant to just how good he was. But, uh, I mean, there was no area in that fight where Ige was having any, any success. If he was landing a jab and taking back one step toward the middle, you could hear his corner screaming and yelling because it was the only thing that he had going for him. So, uh, And he really didn't rely on his wrestling a lot or anything like that. Uh, you know, he was out hustling and out striking a, a super game Ige. So uh, I definitely think a top five or a matchup leading to the top five has to be next for him. Yes. Uh, now, Joe, I want to go back to you because the other storyline that came out of this event is one that you were a part of and you were not alone on this because for months and the, especially the last several weeks, we have been talking about judging in MMA and open scoring this and open scoring that. But what only gets sort of brushed over in all of this, in all these conversations regarding officials in the sport, the referees, Joe, the referees are having a tough time right now. We're seeing fighters basically openly cheat, admit that they openly cheat. And why wouldn't they, Joe? Why wouldn't they when nothing happens? Now, in your fight with Alex De Silva in the second round, we saw something that doesn't happen all that af all that often. It did happen. He ends up getting a point taken away, and Chris Tyone is praised because he did it in that spot and did it in the way they did it. He didn't stop the action. He just yelled out, we're taking a point. But that was only after about 25 warnings, Joe, about the fence grabs and other things. And that was not the first time the refereeing was spotty. It was not the last time the refereeing was spotty. Happened multiple <laughs> times throughout this card, even in the main event, because Herb Dean, the, the guy they call the gold standard, is doing the hokey pokey once again before he makes a call and stops the fight. So you were in the middle of all of this. Joe, I just feel like this refereeing issue, the amount of infractions that are not being called, the amount of points that aren't being taken – this is as big, if not a bigger problem than the judging. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, you know, and, I, and I, it is nice that I got the nod and that point taken away because now I feel like I can talk about it a little freely without it being sour grapes, right? But um, I, I think what it comes down to is just there has been no penalty for most, most fouls, you know, unless it's something completely blatantly fight-changing. But ultimately, uh, we'll talk, I mean, the toes in the fence in my fight was a thing, but I felt more than that, that was actually a distraction, you know, for the viewer of the glove grabs. We were conservatively seven to eight, you know, probably closer to double digits with the glove grabs. And uh, that's the same as if I'm on a double leg and you blatantly grab the fence and that's the only way you stay up. That changes the outcome of the fight. You know, I had three close choke attempts and uh, and he was in my glove, you know, clear as day. And I actually kind of said it a couple times. And, um, and, the, and the, the, the toes in the fence as well. But I think – it almost becomes a shock when there is an action for it or a reaction, you know, a point taken or a stand up or something because guys just aren't used to it. They almost get like a how dare you type thing. But if we're going to say it's rules, you know, hitting the back of the head, all the fouls you can commit, it would be the same as having USADA and then you get, you know, you test positive and they go, oh, all right, we're just going to let people know you tested positive, but you're still fighting your next fight, getting full pay and no suspension. There's no real repercussion, you know, uh, which is crazy because 
when you take the excitement out of it and the betting, which I think is what makes people the most angry as fans going, oh, they shouldn't have taken a point. They should have whatever. Um, it's a career. And anybody else, if they got, you know, wronged at work, they're going to HR and filing a complaint. But like, you know, I'm on somebody's back looking for a choke and three, four or five upwards of 10 times he grabs my glove and you're like, oh, he's complaining. It's like, man, like I'm the guy in there. I'm telling you wholeheartedly, if that's not a thing, I, I can choke this guy. And uh, it is nice to see it happen but then what's crazy is like in my fight when it you know it affected the scoring of the fight it was a lot of outrage for a lot of people being like that's crazy it shouldn't have happened it's like in what other sport wouldn't you if you shove somebody in basketball you're getting a foul you know if you get what is it six of those or seven you're you're out of the game like it's cut and dry and uh i think what it comes down to with the judging and the refing and, and i know it's a subjective thing we can't there's no data that you can say whether or not they're treating it the way they need to treat it but especially with all the events every single weekend i think they're not treating it with the reverence that it deserves. You know, um, backstage, I had a rules meeting with Chris Tyone, and then I had half a rules meeting with Herb Dean before I stopped him and was like, hey, man, I already have one of these things. Like, are you sure? And he's like, yeah, I have you. And then, I don't know it's user error, and that's, you know, he's a human. He's going to make mistakes. But he had also just walked in the building five minutes before that. I'm like two fights before I'm about to go. This card's rolling. So I think with all the events, while guys are getting more reps, they're also – it's a, it's a lot of numbers. They're just like, eh, whatever. You know, we messed that one up. We'll get the next one. And, you know, messing up one out of 12 isn't so bad on the night, which, yeah, that's a decent statistic. But that's somebody's, you know, future in the rankings. It's somebody's, you know, show and win money or, you know, whatever it may be. So I do think – I don't know what the answer is, but there's got to be repercussions for cheating. And there has to be some kind of body holding the referees and the judging accountable because uh, I don't think they're treated with the proper reverence it deserves. Standing ovation for Joe Selecki. Jed, what do you what do you think about this referee? I think the refereeing right now is is pretty horrible. We have talked openly about just cheat your ass off because no one's going to say anything and no one's going to take a point away. So why wouldn't you just do that, especially with this pay structure? But I'm just tired of hearing Chris Tyone, Mark Smith, warning, 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 warning. Okay, this is a stern warning now. Then another stern warning, and then we're taking a point away. Like the first warning, as Joe said, and he kind of got like two warnings because he had meetings with two different referees. Like those should have been the first warnings. Maybe give one more, but after that, we got to be taking points. And I know it's annoying, but I don't know. Your thoughts on this? You're shaking your head. Yeah, you don't give warnings because somebody cheated, and so they get penalized because this is a grown man sport where people are competing for thousands of dollars, and it's just not that freaking hard. Like they don't in the NFL, if you grab somebody's face mask, they're not like, all right, well, that's your one, but don't do it again. It's like, Hey, that's 15 yards. Um, it's, it just is what it is, man. I don't, I, I genuinely don't understand the pushback because there is a lot of it about not taking points for the first foul. Well, it'll ruin the fight. Cool. People will stop cheating. That's what'll happen. You're in charge of your strikes. That's it. Like, yeah. Okay. I'm sorry if that's going to negatively affect your career. Don't poke some dude in the eye. Like, pair, pair with a closed fist. Do whatever you got to do to not cheat because, like, it's just cheating. And it's it, it just is what it is. And you just – you penalize people for infractions. And that's – if there are rules, you have to you have to do something about it because – I mean, we talked about it a lot. If uh, – there is no reason – and I'll tell this to you, Joe. You should cheat your – dick off in every single fight you ever have <laughs> like just straight up because they're not going to call like it took them 1800 fouls to call that like i don't know why if you have somebody's back you don't like rub a thumb in their eye to open up a joke because they're not going to do crap about it 
and like make them. There's really no reason not to other than honor, but honor don't pay your bills. So you should just do the damn thing to get the dub. Like that's, that's it. And it's, it's, it is very cut and dried to me just at the first, the, the warning is backstage and or before you sign a contract, because you know, the rules of the fight you're about to get into. You've been given a warning. If you make an infraction, it's a point. The other person also gets, you know, five seconds to recover from or five minutes to recover from an eye poke or a low, uh, you know, a groin shot, but just take the point. And that's, it's really, really very, very simple. And there's no good argument as to not doing it. If, if we're going to treat this as a sport and that's just, I think it's just cut and dry, man. Oh, Oh, I also was going to say, yeah, it's also shocking that they're, the referees are bad when there's literally no accountability. Who would have thought that 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 referees don't get better when being bad in no way negatively affects them? Shocking. <laughs> I mean, there you go. There's uh, there's probably a lot to unpack there, Joe. Aren't you glad he came on just for this first segment? Yeah, there's a ton to unpack, and, and that's exactly it. There is no repercussions as fighters. Even if we win and we're boring, you're like. Maybe they're not going to tell you that's what it is, but you're going to get shelved for a while. You know, I came off the Miller fight and got shelved for eight months. You know, so like. If you're making blatant mistakes, we have we have what two, three bad nights and you're gone, and you know we're entertaining. The refs not entertaining. They don't need anybody to do the refs job that has a couple certification courses. So they're not benching them for events if they stop something early or don't take a point. Or there's literally zero repercussions. Like like Jed just said, uh, that's an issue. You know, there's no incentive to do better or worse. They're just gonna, you know, as long as they don't check the comments, they're gonna still feel fine, and then they'll go to the next event next week and get paid. I wonder what an entertaining referee in MMA would look like, though. Is it like Leslie Nielsen and Naked Gun when he's behind the plate oh. and he's doing all the dances? I mean, that'd be amazing. You, you ever watch, like, Muay Thai refs? Because some of the, like, diving saves they make for unconscious fighters are entertaining as hell. Those dudes rule at their job. I completely agree. Maybe we should train some of those guys in the wonderful world of MMA. And there we go. Entertainment, rules being abided by. Big, big problem in our sport right now. Too many warnings. It's getting egregious. It's, uh, it's driving crazy. I'm sure it drove Joe even more crazy. Today, but The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. Don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And new customers to DraftKings can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. With that said, let's move to another topic, a big topic, a little more positive topic. UFC 275, this Saturday in Singapore, the main event, Glover Teixeira versus Yuri Prohashka. 
Joe Selecki, I love this fight. It's super interesting. The styles clash is mighty intriguing. What are your thoughts on this matchup? Yeah, I mean, that's a, it's super exciting. It's a contrast to styles. Uh, I've been a huge Glover fan since the tap out show because I was probably one of like five viewers on Versus Network. But uh, it's amazing. <laughs> that is a throwback here. right there. Yeah, it seemed like he was never going to be here, let alone defending the title now. So that's awesome just as a fan, uh, you know, an old school fan. This is one for the old school fans for sure, the fact that he gets to wear a belt right now and defend it. But um, it's a crazy matchup because I can – I mean, every fight can go either way, of course. But you're like – one night I'm looking at it, I'm watching the embedded, and I'm like, this is – okay, Glover can get a hold of him. He can drag him down. He can knock him out possibly. Like, okay, I'm definitely taking Glover. And then – you watch the highlights again of uh, Yuri, and you're like, oh, man, there's no way he's not going to touch Glover a couple times and Glover's chin. We don't know. Um, it's so hard to to gauge where anybody has the advantage except the ground, you know? So what it comes down to for me watching it is, is if Glover's going to be, you know, in a rush to get him down. You know, I think if he is, then without a doubt, that's his fight all day. But if he even gets, you know, caught up for a second on the feet, all it's going to take is one, and he may not see it coming. The, the flip side of that is Yuri is so wild, I think it does leave him open for, you know, getting put on the fence or getting taken down. So I would take Glover, but I don't know that I'm super confident in that pick because, you know, he's had chin issues um, and he's much smaller than Yuri. So uh, it's tough, tough one to call, but I, I would take Glover in that. Jed, one person who has been super confident in his selection is this guy right here. I have been super confident in my selection. And you have been worn down by me. You have hopped aboard the Glover Express. And it's kind of funny because at first, Glover was the guy being overlooked. But the more people have looked into the fight, as Joe sort of alluded to, the more he watches, the more he finds different things. You break it down. The more people are now hopping over to the champion side. When that was not the case, when this fight was first put into our eyeballs on October 30th Glover wins sees Yuri in the crowd me and you buddy let's go and now people Jed I had people calling the heck of a morning saying they feel Yuri Prohashka is actually being overlooked in this fight how did this happen because opinions have swayed quite a bit since October to where we're at right now a little over 48 hours away from this fight those people are just wrong Gary Prashka is not being overlooked. He's like a minus 200 <laughs> betting favorite. He's he's very clearly not being overlooked. He is the odds-on favorite to win this fight. And I don't know, I could pull up Tapology and see like what their current prediction metric is or like what the current fan voting is. But I suspect that he's not being overlooked. Those people have just heard you and me and some other people talk about it's about how Glover is now underrated. You know, that happens in sports. You get you get so underrated that you get overrated, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, yeah, you said it for me, though. Like, you just wore me down. I'm not entirely confident you're correct uh, because part of me still thinks that Glover's 42 and you Prohoshka is a whirling dervish of violence, and those two things usually don't go well for the geriatric dude. But I don't know. Glover's also been, like, really good in his 40s, so... You just kind of wore me down because he can knock out Yuri on the feet or just hurt him and then tackle him. And on the floor, he's Glover Teixeira. That's that's where he's his bread has been buttered as of late. So he just has more ways to win, even if still probably the most likely outcome is that Yuri knocks him out. But you just 
you you took it from me. I can't I can't buy into it anymore because you're so confident and have been from day <laughs> one. From literally day one, you've just been like, yeah, no, Glover's going to tap him. It's just what's going to happen. So I, I work with you a lot. I talk to you so much every week that you have convinced me to join the Glover to share bandwagon and you know, it's a fine place to be. I don't, I don't mind sitting here. I'll be a little sad if Yuri just does Yuri things on Saturday, but then I'll just get to nobody else at light heavyweights beating either of these two dudes. Cause that's a garbage division. So I'll get to be on the Yuri bandwagon afterwards and it'll be fun until he fights Ankalaev, Cause Ankalaev is the best light heavyweight in the world. I was waiting for that to happen. Uh, there it is. Joe, one thing we talked about things from sort of a stylistic perspective and look at where we are now. I think we're uh, celebrating Yuri. There he is. Yuri coming off of a knockout back in the day. I mean, we're traveling all over the place. Wow, you got ringside seats. I know. I'm like in the ring. I'm sitting on the apron right now. This is just incredible stuff that we're doing right now. Technology 101. But Joe, I've been... I've basically been saying, as Jed alluded to, that ever since Glover won the title, I think he's going to win. And as this fight goes closer, and I'm seeing both of these guys speak with the media, I feel like the lion's share of the pressure, actually almost all of the pressure, is on Yuri Prohashka here. Glover just seems so loose, so free, yet so positive, and so excited to fight this guy. It's not just I'm fighting for the title, I'm defending my title. I'm fighting this guy, and I love every second of it. So he's excited, he's free, and Yuri's like loose as a goose a little bit, but you can see that there's pressure there. This is the biggest moment of his life. Do you agree with that, that Yuri just has way more pressure on him than Glover, or do you see it differently? Oh, I think you're 100% right, and I think that's the key to good performances for a lot of people. You know, There's different personalities and, and, and all of that, of course, but I think uh, you know he's hit that, that key word is fighting freely, you know? He doesn't need to do this. He doesn't need to – by signing the contract and making weight, he's going to make life-changing money through pay-per-view points as the champion on Saturday night. You know, That's probably the first and foremost motivator for even sticking around after winning the title was the next one's the one's going to change his, his life You know, for his family. I think he has a school as well. He has a great career. He's definitely done well for himself. And I think at this point in the game, he's probably feeling – that every fight is just like a blessing and, and a cherry on top, you know. Um, I do think even as young fighters, when we can feel that when we go, whether we're coming off a loss or if, you know, I think I'm premature from my age, so we hit that point in our career where you're like, okay, I'm starting to realize what really matters, what doesn't, uh, and you have other outlets and there's not all this pressure, you're going to put out better performances in there. And I think Yuri's the exact opposite from at least how he portrays himself. He's got nothing going on but this, but it doesn't necessarily mean he's training harder. You can only train so many hours a day, like uh, Chael would always say, you know, and, and that's true. So if Glover's still training the same, I think he's at a huge advantage. I think all the pressure's off of him, and he gets to go out there and actually have fun with it, which is a term that too many fighters use and don't mean when they say it. Uh, he'll actually go out and have some fun competing Saturday night, where yeah, I think the whole pressure, all the pressure is on Yuri. Chad, I know you can argue against that because you can argue against anything, and I guess one fact you could say is that Guys like Glover, it took Glover a long time to get back. It took him a long time. We've seen stories of people falling short in their first bid. They come back in the second bid and they go out and do the damn thing and become champion. George St. Pierre, perfect example. Took Glover a long time. And Yuri with his fighting style, it's it's not going to be long for him to get back, especially if Glover only has like a couple left. He retires, titles vacated. 
then he could just get right back in there. But do you feel like there's a lot of pressure on Yuri, especially the way people viewed this fight right out the gate, especially how the betting lines look right now? No, I don't. I don't think either dude here cares at all. I mean, they care because they want to win, but like Glover's, it's, it's like Joe said, Glover's playing with house money right now. Like Glover, Glover was never supposed to be champion and now here he is champion and his, the rest of his career is already set. Like the difference for Glover has already been made. He was a good fighter who now probably will at some point get inducted into the UFC Hall of Fame because he won the title. Like there's nothing else. He He's not going to become the greatest light heavyweight of all time. That's that's not an option. And frankly, it's not even really an option for him to be in the conversation of second or third greatest given the history of that division and where that division is right now. So yeah, he's he doesn't care. And I just don't think Yuri Prohashka cares about things that normal people care about. He's real weird in an endearing way. And like, you know, they talk about being Bruce Lee and that whole sort of like philosophical Kung Fu warrior. He's just kind of a weird dude who I don't think grasps things in the way that we normally would. So I, I strongly doubt he cares. Like he probably, like he cares, but I doubt he He's one of the few fighters who I think actually might genuinely not bother about the outcome, whereas it's just the process is the thing. Like if he goes and gets submitted by Glover, but if he does all the things he wants to do and finds Zen or whatever, like I think he'll be content, especially because like you said, he's going to get a, he'll have at least four title fights if he never wins a belt because his division sucks and he's fun. So like, and he's 29 or whatever, like there's nobody around to stop him from fighting for the belt multiple more times at one point, he'll probably get it. And if he doesn't, he's still going to get at least one more shot. So I I just kind of feel like this is this is pure fighting. Two dudes who are fighting for something tangible and real and incredibly meaningful, but at the same time their whole existence isn't tied up into this win or loss. So they will be free out there to do the things that they want to do and be their best selves in the cage. I cannot wait to see this fight. It's going to happen in a little over 48 hours. If there's anybody who feels pressure in this situation, it's probably me because I have been on Glover since October 30th, since he won the title, literally minutes after he won the belt. This was my take. It has been that way the entire time. So let's see if I'm... And you convinced me to put money on him. So you are responsible for whether I pay rent this month. That's You should feel the pressure right now. Well, I mean, you have a gambling show, so if you're relying on the guy who doesn't gamble, then you're uh, you got yourself in, yeah, a, you in a situation me. right now. Well, uh, listen, I feel good about it, but we'll see if I'm dancing with the correct answer, which I had from Jump Street, or if I'm the most passionately wrong I have uh, ever been. A lot of a lot at stake for me. Speaking of stakes, Jed Mishu, you talk about money and we talk about betting. Let's go to the co-main event because you stated <laughs> on No Bets Barred that you were sure going is. all in. All in on Valentina Shevchenko. Every dollar not put on other bets on Saturday that is available to you for this type, this purpose in your life, there's thunder there. It's all going on Valentina Shevchenko. Now, for years, Jed, we have seen champions have defenses as heavy favorites, and fans complain about it. We all know what's going to happen, yada, yada, yada. But with Valentina, we don't really feel that way. We're seeing her greatness And she's kind of earned a pass in that regard because people just appreciate how great she is. What is it, Jed, about Valentina 
and this run that she's on that just has people excited to see her keep going and racking up wins, regardless of who she fights, whether she's a 10 minus 10,000 favorite or a fight, like a, maybe a Bantamweight title fight in the future. We just want to see this woman fight. She's like a Terminator. Like I don't, the closest person that she reminds me of is, I mean, stylistically is not the case, but like, she is like Fedor. She is like a female version of Fedor where it doesn't seem that anybody has any hope of possibly defeating her. And she also doesn't seem like she's ever going to, to fumble the bag. She's not going to pull an Amanda Nunes and just have an awful fight for no reason. She's just, she is in, unflappable and she rules and she is so much better than everyone that she competes against. It is, I've said this for years now, I've been driving the Chevy truck, the bullet train. She is the best fighter in the world if you are talking about quality over peers and if you want to quibble about the quality of her peers that's fine but you can only fight the people in front of you in your weight class and she is so much better than everybody in her weight class compared to anybody else in their weight class and so it is she's the best pound for pound fighter in the world and it is always worthwhile to watch the best pound for pound fighter in the world and i will always do it and i i don't know why people have gravitated to her outside of the fact that she is just so overwhelmingly dominant because she's really interesting, but she doesn't, none of that manifests itself, right? Like she's a shooting champion and a dancing champion. She does all this other stuff. She speaks like eight languages, but that's not like a thing that really gets promoted or that she even really does a lot with making it a part of her for the average fan consumption. People just like her cause she's a badass and I I honestly think that some of it is just that being a badass is like there aren't a lot of those in, in women's MMA right now. There aren't a lot of women who you just can look at and be like, yeah, she, she's that dude. Like she just carries it that way and not a lot of women in the sport do that right now. So she rules and she's going to absolutely bundle Tyler Santos. <laughs> Joe? You are a fighter. This is MMA. And no matter who you are fighting, you have to believe deep down that you can win. And Tyler Santos has to at least attempt to believe that she could win this fight. But very few outside of maybe her inner circle feel that she can get this done. So I ask you, Joe, can she do it? Can she do it? And if so, how? How can she do this? I, I think the only way would be something crazy. You know what I mean? Uh, catching her with something. But the counterside to that is I think 35 is, I mean, obviously we saw the kick of uh, Zane Whaley with uh, Rose and stuff like that does happen at 115. This is 125. But I think the power only plays a factor maybe at 135 and not even a ton there because it seems to be a volume of punches. I don't see anybody doing that to Val uh, Valentina. I, I don't. I don't think anybody can put it on her like that in the sense where she's also super well-rounded. So in the chance she gets done with a shot, I don't know that she can't out-wrestle and you know recover and then do what she needs to do. We've seen her dominate on the ground. We've seen her dominate standing up. I don't know that there's a clear path to victory at all outside of something spectacular, which, I mean, you take anybody in the UFC against anybody in their weight class, and there's always a small fraction of a chance of something spectacular happening. But... Um, you know, I, I thought that with Pena and, and Nunez, but again, you know, there's there's power at that weight class a little more that plays a factor more than it does at 25. Um, 
But yeah, I just I think she's so intriguing is because she's always showing a different fold in her game every time she comes out. It's not like we're seeing the same fight over and over and over again. And uh, she hasn't proven to really be beatable. You know, even when she went up uh, went up weight class, it's it was a close fight and it was a tough fight. And you still wouldn't say somebody beat her up or got the you know extreme better of her. So I just think she's one that slips through the cracks where without a shtick or a gimmick or anything outside of her skill set, and she's truly humble, um, she's, you know, got a big fan base behind her, which is, it's awesome to see. As a, as a fan of pure mixed martial arts, um, kind of like Jed said about the, the last fight where you're watching, you know, this is mixed martial arts competition at its purest. I think every time we see Shevchenko out there, that's what it is. We're watching a master of their craft show us what they've done since their last time out to become more of a master. And I think there is still a percentage of viewers that appreciate that. And I think the ones that don't even realize they do end up appreciating it when they're, you know, waiting for the the higher profile main event to come on or whatever it is. They end up captivated by it because you can't not be. She really is, like you said, a Terminator. Like she runs through all the competition. And it's not that, you know, if you look at 115, the top, I'd say the top three to four are super competitive with each other. Um, at 135, it's probably the same, maybe top two or three, but there's no one at 25. And it doesn't, there's no way that just the weight class in between doesn't have skilled female fighters. They do. I think she's just that much better. And uh, that makes her, you know, super captivating and exciting to watch. And uh, I'm excited to watch. And I, I'd have a hard time putting anything other than a dollar on, uh, you know, the other, the opponent, because it's just, how could you with the body of work we've seen? So at the beginning of this, I laid out all these different circumstances that might happen on this program. We might travel to different places. I might sweat a little because it's 100 degrees in the air. I didn't factor that there's a freaking tropical storm over my house right now. So I'm hoping that we can <laughs> fight through this because for a second there, the lights flickered on and I yeah. thought I lost power, but it came back on. So we're good. Um, now you know what it feels like to be Tyler Santos on Saturday. You're just getting battered <laughs> by a force of nature. That's that's what it is. Like her only way to win is to cheat. She should cheat. Whole buddy should she cheat. She should come out cheating her ass off. She's not gonna do it because fighters won't do that. But like that's the way to win. I mean, I don't even think that's a way to win. Frankly, I think that's just a way to piss Valentina off to hurt her more. But like that's that's if I'm trying to make a path to victory, that that would be it. But it's it's like Joe said, man. Nobody has beaten Valentina in Pride Rules. People have won fights against Valentina. Nobody has Pride Rules beaten Valentina Shevchenko. Mm-hmm. And a woman who lost to Mar Romero Borello is, is just ain't gonna be the one, man. That's just not it. Jed, let's just say she cheats her ass off and she somehow wins this fight. I know you don't. I, we have to put Literally you have to kind of force yourself it. into this universe, okay? Force yourself into this universe just for the sake of the question, this hypothetical. If she wins, is this the biggest upset of all time? Is this the new number one? If Tyler Santos no. beats Valentina Shevchenko, is this number one? No. I mean, it probably should be, but it. I, I don't think anything's ever going to eclipse Sarah GSP just because of – even though in hindsight that has looked less and less like it's still an upset, but the magnitude of it is so much lessened given what Sarah kind of went on to do and still had great fights against Matt Hughes and kind of other, uh, and and how that worked out. But I, I don't think anything's ever going to approach the sheer shock and awe just because of 
of what stardom GSP had at the time that also coincided with with what was projected in his greatness. Uh, this would maybe be uh, this would maybe be number two, number three. I mean, the the Pena Nunes one is obviously up there, Bisping Rockhold, but it's it, it would be huge. But like truly, and I do not mean this hyperbolically in any way. I don't know how it happens outside of Chevchenko literally getting injured. Like that is the only outcome I see that Tyler Santos has as an avenue to victory here. And so it would be enormous and probably on the merits would be the biggest upset of all time. But I, I don't think kind of it, that it will really surpass in the, in the culture, the, the GSP Sarah one. Do you agree with that Joe? Or do you think, I mean, the, the MMA gods are raining down upon us as, uh, as this is happening right now. So apologies for the thunderous noise going on in the background. Uh, is this Where does this rank for you? If Santos does get this done, that small fraction of a percentage, if she wins this, where does this rank for you? I think it's two, you know, I, and I think for the exact same reason, is the mag- I think it really probably should be one because you're stripping a lot of the raw power out of the deal when it's 125 and female 125 especially, you're going – Okay, if she can knock her out or she chokes her out, whatever it might be, or outside of an injury, uh, yeah, I think skill for skill, that is probably the biggest upset. But when you add the bells and whistles of the aesthetics of GSP, Matt Sarah, the looking at where Matt Sarah's career was, I mean, he was cut from the UFC going into the house, you know, and that ultimately was the the other ones were exhibitions on the show, right? So that his last fight was a loss and getting cut from the UFC before fighting GSP, which is a uh, wild but if you take all the outside factors i think it probably would be number one but i think for the pure shock factor of somehow in that fight gsp seemed i guess with the hype and everything even more unbeatable than valentina is although skill for skill it probably is a bigger gap between uh her and santos than sarah and gsp i had one more question about this but i'm going to uh, go ahead jed go ahead Sarah lost to Lytle. Like, I know he got the decision. He lost to Chris Lytle at the tough fight the finale. And, like, that's just such a huge sliding doors moment in the sport because I don't think Chris Lytle's pulling the upset on GSP. And so then it's just like everything might be entirely different. So, yeah, that's still – that's always just going to be the number one. And I, I really struggle to find something that's going to match that ever. Well, I had more to talk about maybe the future of Valentina if she won that fight, but I think we're we're running on borrowed time with this weather. So I'm gonna just gonna she's gonna win the one thirty five pound belt. That's the future of Valentina Shevchenko, two division there, champion. You're probably right, uh, but let's see. Let's see if Tyler Santos can shock the damn world on Saturday. But before that happens, gentlemen, we got the return of Yuani and Jacek. She's back in the octagon, first time in two and a half years to face the woman she last faced. In one of the greatest all-time fights, Zhang Wei Li. Three rounds this time. A lot of people seem upset about that. I get it. But I'm also okay with it being three rounds because those two women took years off of their lives in that first fight. And secondly, these two women don't fight in three-round fights all that often. And as we heard Dana White say, the next fight for the winner will not be a three-round fight. It'll probably be a title fight against Carlos Sparza. So nice little added wrinkle, Joe. I'm going to start with you here. Are you pro 15-minute fight here? And who does the the 10 less minutes favor more, in your opinion? That's what I was just asking myself uh, while you were saying that. As soon as you said three rounds, I am so used to seeing either of them in a title fight that I didn't even realize until you said that. Um, 
I think it may favor uh, Whaley Zhang because of her wrestling, you know, and her pressure. She's obviously been working out at Fight Ready with Cejudo. Um, I think I saw an interview today where she was talking about, you know, really wanting to utilize her wrestling. So she is so physically imposing. I could see her killing clock if she gets a takedown or even just using the fence. Um, that is a concern, but I do think, like you said, if they're going to fight another 25-minute fight, you know, off of this fight and the damage they took last time, that, that could be tough, you know. Um, I think Joanna coming back off of a long layoff, maybe three rounds could also play into her favor because, well, I guess it goes either way, right? Everything goes either way in the sport. But you could look at it and say she doesn't have to pace herself for a 25-minute fight, which is spectacular. But on the flip side, if her timing is off from time out of the cage, then I guess she'd come out of the cage saying, I wish I had two more rounds. But it is an X factor with her being gone so long. But I do think, uh, you know, we've seen Whaley Zhang be defeated since then. And, or twice, and we've seen, you know, you want to take the, the time, and with the camp she's with, I don't think it was time where she's just like, I don't want to be in the sport, I'm going to come back the same fighter. I think she's probably improved on a lot, and uh, refreshed, improved, and, you know, having a blueprint of, yeah, we saw one quick knockout, but also a decision loss for uh, Whaley Zhang, so I think that's where she could look at that with her team and, and find some holes there. I do think... Uh, from the, her style of fighting, I believe, you know, a lot of how you fight is how your personality is. And I think uh, Zhang is a little bit of a bully in the sense of she does great when she's the hammer. Obviously, we've seen she can survive when she's the nail. But uh, coming off of two losses, it will be fun to see if that plays a factor, too. If any of those things play into the fight, I would pick Joanna. But uh, Zhang's a monster. I don't know that it's a confident pick. But, you know, gun to my head, I'm, I'm taking Joanna in this one. I'm, I'm, I'm stunned by news I just saw, and we'll get into it in a moment. I, I just cannot oh, believe good. what I'm seeing. Do, do, have you seen what I'm, Do you know what I'm talking nope. about? No idea. So we'll find out okay. real time. Yeah. We will find out real time. Save, save, I, uh, save, save, those, save that news, Mr. Heck. Save that news. Yeah, I will save that news. I have to uh, – this is unbelievable, but uh, we'll, we'll get into that. Oh, man. Uh, I'm so excited for you to tell me now. I can't, I can't I wanna believe go, it. I want to go look it up. I, no, 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 no. I'm not going to, so get to the question so I can start talking and not be that. Oh, Mike died. Oh, Mike died. Oh, wait, Mike, oh Mike. no. What an inopportune time for Mike to go down. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to take this opportunity to answer the question he was about to pose to me, yeah. which is, is what do you phone? think, Jed, about about Yohan and Jay I hate that this is uh, three rounds instead of five um, because – well, one, I hate that this is a title eliminator bout and title eliminator fights should for sure all be five round fights because when they fight for the belt, it will be five rounds. So doing three rounds is stupid. It makes no sense. I also in general just prefer all fights, especially among top level mixed martial artists to be five round fights. And I think three rounds may substantively change the outcome of this bout. Like maybe not because the way that first fight was so close and you know, the the question in the first fight was whether Zhang's cardio could hold up because she hadn't been into championship waters that like ever before. And it did. So maybe it wouldn't really be a huge difference. But Joanna's style is one that is particularly more effective over five rounds as opposed to three because she is such a snowball rolling downhill, just kind of building up momentum over time. And I think that this is a could be a pretty negative outcome for her. The one big caveat here is I kind of think it might work in the inverse in this instance because Zhang's with Fight Ready and because Henry Cejudo seems to 
he seemed to really prioritize using a wrestling-based game plan against Rose Namajunas. Uh, Zhang shot a lot of takedowns in that fight. I think that's a really bad idea against Joanna because she's really good at both not getting taken down and punishing people who try and wrestle her with elbows and kind of she she frankly won all the clinch work in their first fight. And so if part of their game plan involves a bunch of takedowns, then I think that actually will end up playing towards Joanna's strengths, especially in a three-round fight. If not, I think the best opportunity for Zhang is to just come out and throw a bunch because in their first fight, Yuana couldn't really hurt her, not nearly to the same extent she could. And sure, Yuana's a cleaner, better, more technical striker, but Zhang, Zhang has power and power is a great equalizer. And that's how that first fight kind of played out in a lot of their striking exchanges. She maybe got clipped a little more, but she fired back harder and it, it was pretty competitive on the feet. I think she could just empty the gas tank out over 15 instead of saving some for the back 10, and that would really benefit her. But, I mean, it is what it is. It's still a great fight, and I'm really excited to watch it. Is Mike back, Casey? There he is. Look at him go. You're back, Mr. Hatton. I'm here. The power went out, and then it came back on, and I don't know what the hell's going to happen. <laughs> and so, you have um, some sort of potato AOL free cd internet going on right now yeah but. You're, you're crushing it right now <laughs> yeah I'm, i i can't believe i'm even here we can hear you though we can here. hear you so yeah, let's continue it's it's, it's, it's i mean it's just nasty outside right now the weather looks um, great at Fenway, last, by the way welcome to south georgia <laughs> bud we're yeah we're probably south gonna have Carolina, a same same yeah um this is i mean i i still can't get over this news but we'll save it uh last thing Joe, we like to talk about the low-key banger on these cards, the one that's flying under the radar, that's that's circled on your card, not getting enough love, not getting enough attention, but it's one you really like. What's that fight for you on this card on Saturday? Honestly, I've done a terrible job of, outside of watching the embeddeds and the, the fights that we talked about, being unaware, but I did hear him say Matthews is fighting, and that's one that I always tune in for. So I don't even know who his opponent is, to be quite frank. Um, but he's one It's a really good pick in the dark. Yeah, I mean, I, well, I heard you said at the beginning, I was like, oh, well, I'll tune in for whatever. If that's a prelim, I'll watch the prelims for specifically him. Um, other than that, I, I've got to tell you, I'm caught kind of with my pants down here because I did not uh, prepare in that department because I was so worried about last Saturday. And then all I knew was the three we talked about was Glover, Joanna, and then my wife's favorite fighter, including me, is uh, Valentina. Like, I, like if, if Valentina's <laughs> one, I'm by three. So, uh, of course, we have to hear that now since Valentina, Stipe, her husband. So uh, I knew those three, but then I just heard you say Matthews earlier, and I was like, I'm in for that. Does that black screen mean Mike is gone again, Casey? <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Heck, uh, can, you, can you hear us, Mr. Heck? I'm going to say he's gone, so I'll give you my low-key banger. Because, <laughs> Joe, that was a great choice. Uh, Jake Matthews, Andre Fialho is a really oh, fun fight. Yeah, so this, not even knowing who he's fighting, he's fighting Andre Fialho. So that's that's probably well, the correct notes. answer. Yeah, okay, I remember that now. Yeah, it's probably the correct answer because Fialho has been awesome in the UFC thus far. The two performance bonuses and a banger of a fight with my dude Michelle Pahea. Uh So that's actually going to be the answer I was going to go with. So uh, I have a little bit slight love for uh, Kyung Ho Kang and Dana Bakari uh, in the early prelim just because Bakri has been hella fun to watch. And I think Kyung Ho Kang is underrated as a fighter, but I think the right answer is probably Jake Matthews, Andre Fialho. So, Casey, 
you have to move into into Mike's role as host. Yeah, I, I think so. All right, let me just. Just, oh yeah put you in the middle let's go the first person <laughs> to ever host btl that isn't mike heck <laughs> i wasn't i didn't know i think i, was, I didn't think i was gonna be on camera crap <laughs> i mean why uh, you got the guns out you're yeah, looking, know, yeah. looking sharp kind yeah. of you're 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 55 mr selecki right yes sir ah fuck <laughs> stay, so you're, stay no so Joe, stay you're no the second you're the, you're the second best lightweight on this podcast joe <laughs> I mean, this I mean, I, I am the only unde- I am the undefeated fighter on this on this. Panel, I was following so just, that. I followed that. <laughs> just saying that. Um, so uh, we don't have Mr. Heck is lost in a thunderstorm. So uh, do you want to do the final round now? And I want to do the news, and that can news? be the final round. I just All don't right. like now. I my my watch keeps buzzing. I assume with our Slack space talking about the news, mm-hmm. and I don't want to read my watch because I. I want to get a real time thing. Okay. If if it if it leaves Mike speechless, it's got to be dope. All right. Let me let me let me. So let me bring up let me bring up the news. So I'm a. There's been a fight announcement made, and you each have 60 seconds to just tell us your opinion of that fight announcement and your prediction. Um, Who wishes to go first? Go ahead, Jed. You go first. All right. Okay. (laughs) I'm excited. Let's go. All right, let me get let me get the clock here. Uh, everything is everything's uh, crazy now. What really dumb fight is this going to be? <laughs> yeah. All right. So, in London on August twentieth, bare knuckle fighting championships is going overseas, and in okay. the main event will be oh boy, Mike Platinum Perry against. Michael Venom Page, <laughs> MVP. <laughs> you have 60 seconds now. T- tell us about what you think about that fight. Um, well, the, my initial thought is that Bare Knuckle Fight Promotion is a better fight promotion than Bellator because they at least know how to book Michael Venom Page in a London fight. <laughs> Holy crap. That is awesome. One, props to Bellator for allowing MVP to box, uh, even apparently Bare Knuckle Boxing. Uh I'm going to watch the hell out of that. Are you kidding? Like that's MVP is a really fun to watch fight. Now we've watched him kickbox functionally, but I'll watch him box. He's long and rangy and Michael Perry, he hits really hard and he knows how to get hit really hard. And those are important factors when you're, when you're fist fighting human beings. So that's not as weird or wild as it could have been, but it is very unexpected. And honestly, it's, pretty good matchmaking like that seems i feel like that weekend we're gonna be covering that and it's gonna do better numbers than whatever other fights are going on that weekend so i'm in for it let's go all right uh mr selecki same question august um august 20th michael venom page versus uh mike platinum perry in london your time starts now (laughs) Usually with bare knuckle, I kind of roll my eyes a little bit. The matchups they make—that's an awesome matchup. I'll watch that as well. I usually don't watch bare knuckle. Uh, that's spectacular. I don't think it's going to be that competitive, um, because so my first thing I would guess when I hear like when I picture somebody's style like Venom Page who just touches is like, oh, he probably has like more fragile hands like Floyd or something like that. But I know for a fact from uh, somebody—I forget how I know somebody that fought him. I can't remember who it was. And that said, he, you know, the reason he was so tough on the ground was because he has 
ginormous hands and he wraps uh, his wrist control is so long and strong. And then I know a guy went over and trained with him to get ready for the Logan Storley fight. So uh, I think that's going to be very, very quick work for him because as tough as Mike Perry is, he's pretty slow compared to Venom Page. And uh, another guy that we trained with who's probably the fastest striker I've ever trained with, Ricky Rainey, fought Michael Venom Page. And this is not a knock on Ricky because he'll tell you, is he made Ricky look slow. So uh, I can't imagine a world where Mike Perry can find him. But that's super intriguing, especially with the fact there's no glove. And uh, I'd imagine Mike Perry hits even harder with bare knuckles. So I'll definitely tune into that. That's an awesome announcement. That's probably one of the first ones they've booked that isn't like free show. That's just competitive, you know? All right. Thank you very much, gentlemen. Um, yeah, kind of weird Bellator's willing to loan him out, honestly. Yeah, it um, uh, seems a lot of confusion on the contract status where no one really knows. But this was this has been confirmed. With uh, Damon Martin has confirmed this with um, Bare Knuckle, and um, it is happening August 20th. So, uh, like that's a much higher probability of getting his hand busted in a Bare Knuckle fight. So, a little odd that they decided to let him go, but why not? I mean, it's gonna be fun. That's I'm sure they'll get a piece of it or whatever, but that'll be fun as hell. I'm in. Uh, Good fight. Well done, right. BAKFC. <laughs> okay. um, so, you know, we said this is gonna be, we're not really keeping score, but we're keeping score. So, uh, <laughs> so today's winner. Did you put a poll up or is this a you score? Uh, it's a, it's a, I put a poll up, but I'm the only one that, that participated in it. <laughs> so today's okay. winner is. Off the rails. <laughs> Mr. Joe Selecki. Oh, I, I hate, guess. I hate you, Casey. <laughs> I'll take it. I hate you. <laughs> you said we weren't going to keep score, but Mike's not here to rein me in, and I want to give Jed another L, says Casey. That's just railroaded. Railroaded. So uh, congratulations, Mr. Joe Selecki. That's, um, that's two dubs this week. Two dubs. Favorable so, judging week. <laughs> Which win was more significant for you, Joe? I Hey, you're only as good as your last uh, win. You know what I mean? It's this one. Yeah. <laughs> Got to be true. There you go. <laughs> it's true. So. so what have you done for me lately, kind of <laughs> Okay. Uh, well, um, yeah, so uh, <laughs> we're about <laughs> done here. Mr. Heck is in a thunderstorm somewhere in South Carolina. Um, all right. Um, well... We have um, all sorts of great content on yeah, MMAfighting.com for you ahead of UFC 275. <laughs> you should go listen to my podcast, No Bets Barred. Uh, we're going to have a preview show tomorrow. I don't remember the time. Casey, do you remember the time? Preview show will be uh, Friday evening sometime. Friday evening because yeah. Singapore is making things a little bit different. They're doing the live weigh-ins that are real weigh-ins, not just a show weigh-in. Saturday, we are going to have a preview show as as normal, 30 minutes before the fight starts. Uh, we'll do a post show. It's all going to be dope. Keep it tuned to MMAfighting.com. Joe Selecki, thanks for coming on. Love you guys. <laughs> thank you, Joe. Undefeated. Yeah, thank you. It was awesome. Thanks so much. <laughs> You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. 
Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.